You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. All right. So, today's our last uh, message in our Thanksgiving series called Thank God. And I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 17. I think I believe that's page uh, 799 in those uh Bibles that are in the seats there. If you'd like to follow along, it'll be on the screen in a little bit. Um, but uh, we are we are turning the corner and rounding the home stretch of 2018. 2019 is right around the corner, and uh, you know Christmas is on its way. You know Walmart's been letting us know that for the last month and a half, but. We are now officially beyond Thanksgiving, so there's no other holidays in the way. We are turning the corner for Christmas. How many of you have seen Christmas movies already? Started watching Christmas movies. Some of you, all right. You start, all right. It's a Wonderful Life, right? Yeah, no, no. Okay, all right, Angela. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, we got It's a Wonderful Life. You know, if you try and think, I don't know, like, what's the best Christmas movie ever? You know, there's The Grinch. I can tell you what it's not. Uh, should I publicly do this? No, I probably shouldn't. But I went and saw The Nutcracker in the Four Realms. That was a god-awful movie. I'm sorry. Just terrible. If you like the Nutcracker, maybe it's okay for you. I mean, I just that's just two hours of my life I cannot get back. Anyway, there's so many good Christmas movies, you should watch those, you know. Miracle on 34th Street, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the classics, so, you know. Good, good old classics like Elf, you know. Elf's a good one, you know. All sorts of... Good Christmas movies out there. Anyway, I can remember as a kid Thanksgiving weekend being, you know, really special. How many remember the Thanksgiving Day newspaper? It was like a foot thick. Anybody get that newspaper? All the circulars, like, and so you'd have like Thanksgiving and then you'd spend the afternoon, you know, picking out what you were going to ask for for Christmas. So maybe it was the, the circulars or maybe you got the, the J.C. Penny catalog or the Sears catalog. Anybody remember these things, all right? And some of you young guys don't know what a catalog is, okay? But it was this book of pages of everything that was on sale and uh, everything that you could possibly have. And you'd circle it and fold over pages and color coordinate. You know, blue is for me, pink was for my sister. You know, like, this is what we want. And we'd have this list going. And my grandmother would be there. And they'd, they would be getting ready for Black Friday for when they would go out shopping. Back when people actually went shopping. Now, we shop in our PJs. Right? From your home. How many Amazon? How many bought something on Amazon yesterday? Okay, yesterday. Yep, Okay. A number of you. How many of you plan to do most of your Christmas shopping on Amazon? All right. This is, this is the way it has evolved. Um, and, you know, every time culture evolves, there are something called unintended consequences. Do you know what unintended consequences are, right? It's, it's something that is a reaction or a result of something else. It's things nobody considers when change is introduced. It's like... Like the convenience of cell phones. This is so great. We've all got cell phones. The unintended consequence is that you are never out of touch. Right? Like you are always available. You're not off ever. It's an unintended consequence. It seems like there's so much good, but unintended consequence. Um, uh, there's an unintended consequence of online shopping. Right? A few guys. What do we call them? Porch thieves. Anybody know? Right? Porch pirates. You know these things? They, they come and they steal boxes. Right, that's an unintended consequence of shopping so much on Amazon. It used to be you bought stuff and you brought it in your house. So now I actually was watching Shark Tank a few weeks ago, and there's somebody selling, or their their idea was a box that is locked, that is 
there's an agreement with the postal service and UPS and things like that, that they have codes that they can drop your things in this box that you like screw into your, you know, the front of your porch. Because everybody would love to have a big box on your front porch that they can put boxes in that the thieves, come on, seriously? Like, but this is the unintended consequence of what's, and so what it's also led to is, uh, doorbells with video cameras in them. And how many of you have Ring? You know, you've got the thing, you can see your doorbell from your phone, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like if somebody was at your door now, you would know. It's crazy. So, there's all these sorts of things that, you know, are unintended consequences, things that come along with Christmas and the holidays. Listen, I'm a very simple guy. There's not much I'm asking for this Christmas. There's just one thing. And really, it's just, I would like it today. I would just like the Giants to beat the Eagles. Like, seriously, I don't ask for much. I don't ask for much. But that is really all I want. And yeah, right, you, you, you know that. Now, um, there's unintended consequences of me making that request, which actually, no, it's not true. They're all intended consequences. I want all the Eagles fans to know um, I want you to lose. Um, you won the Super Bowl last year. Don't worry about it. You're good. Um, we're going down. We're going to take you down with us. That's how, that's how I'm thinking about it. How many of you already started making lists this year? You've already started making lists. All the kids' hands should be up. I know, Ethan, yeah, you get your, your hand up. I mean, seriously. He's, he's changed, edited, added, adapted. He's got like seven wish lists. Okay, this is Ethan number one, number two, number three. No, but he does have a wish list. We start making lists. What was the most memorable gift you ever got? Not like the best gift, the biggest gift, but can, are there certain gifts that just like really stand out in your memory when you think about it? You know, for me, um, probably the most memorable Christmas gift um, between two things, either a New York Giants beanbag chair that my grandmother got me. Remember, remember beanbag chairs? They looked like a teardrop and you sat in it and it was like so unexpected. It was like I never would have thought to ask for a beanbag chair, but this is pretty cool. So I was, I was pretty excited about that. Or I remember, vividly remember getting a Hot Wheels big wheel. Does anybody remember the big wheels? Where we, I think we got a picture of it here. I don't know if I have. Oh, maybe I didn't put it in there. Did I put it in there? Is it in there? No, all right, I have a picture of a Hot Wheels. Remember the, the trike three-wheelers and there's plastic wheels and you'd, 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 you'd do this and it would just slip and it wouldn't get you anywhere and you'd keep going and the wheel wouldn't because it had no traction because it was plastic. And I think mine actually had like a windshield on it and it might have been like Batman and it was just awesome. Um, just certain things stand out. You remember what gifts you had that really stand out to you. So today is the last message in this series on thankfulness and we're going to... Look at the story of ten men who really received the best gift ever. This was like, of all Christmas gifts, this was like their best gift ever. It changed their lives. And we're going to look at what happened at the end of this story. We've looked at the story for the last two weeks. This is our third week, last time looking at the story. I promise we won't look at um, lepers or talk about leprosy anymore after today. So Luke chapter 17, we're going to pick it up in verse 11. It'll be on the screen if you'd like to read. You can. It says this, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem... He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And remember, the people in Samaria did not like Jesus. They didn't like Jews at all. So this was kind of a hostile region. And as he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It says, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. No, there was not... Jesus was not like slamming them, being like, have mercy on us. He's like, go, go show yourself to the priest. That wasn't a condemnation. That was a good thing. That was a promise. He was telling them they were going to be healed. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And it says now in verse 15 that one of them, how many were there? Ten. Okay, one of them, 
when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, remember, in a mega voice, in a louder voice than his request, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan, pointing it out. Jesus is pointing this out. This guy wasn't supposed to like me. All right. And Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Remember, Jesus making the face. Where's the one? Right? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Week one, Jesus listened, not because we, they deserved it, right, but because he just loved them. And week two, we said that unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. It's not that the nine weren't thankful. They were probably incredibly thankful. But regardless, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Our thanks should be louder than our request. So this week, I want to examine this last thing that Jesus said, something really fascinating. And honestly, I believe this is the most important part of the story. Let's take a moment and pray. Jesus, help us to make sense in our head. Let us understand something about you today that we've never understood before and draw us closer to you today. In your name we pray, amen. So, all ten men are healed, right? Ten guys, all ten of them are healed. So, what does Jesus mean when he says, stand up and go, your faith has healed you? Think about this. They're already healed. This one guy is back and Jesus goes, your faith has healed you. They were already healed. He's already g- clean, right? It says on their way they were healed. So why is Jesus saying your faith has healed you? The word Jesus used for healing previously when it says they were healed refers to physical healing, cleansing, purity. It means their body, their skin was healed. Their skin was clean. But this word that Jesus used when he says healed is actually a very, very different word. The word here means saved. Your faith has saved you. It actually means made whole. Like complete. Okay? So what he's actually saying is you were physically healed, but now because you came back, something has happened and your faith has actually made you whole. It's gone next level. The nine received physical healing, but this guy got more. He got something more, right? Not only did he get the physical healing, but his belief in who Jesus was added to what was already a miraculous day. See, they got outside healing, but he got outside and inside healing. So I'm just going to touch on a few thoughts, and uh, hopefully it's not too random for you, but if it is, hey, maybe I say something that sticks. So that's my, that's my uh, one qualifier. I'm sorry. Um, it's been a busy week. No, I'm kidding. First thing, Jesus didn't say that this man's gratitude made him whole. I've been staring at this story for a long time. He did not say, because you were thankful, you were made whole. He says, your faith has made you whole. Here's the, the, the reality of this story. There are a lot of people at this time in history who believe that Jesus could heal. Jesus healed people all the time. Lots of people came to Jesus for healing. They believed he could heal. That did not mean they believed that he was who he said he was. They did not equate his healing ability with being the Son of God. I believe in Jesus the healer. I do not believe in Jesus the Son of God. Right? 
There was a blind man who was healed one time and people came to him and said, who healed you? Tell us about this Jesus. They said, was he a sinner? He goes, all I know is I was blind and now I see. He healed me. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I don't know who the guy is. I just know that he's a healer. All right. Jesus healed lots of people. But this man didn't just believe in Jesus, the healer. He actually believed that Jesus was who he said he was. That faith component is actually what made the difference. That faith opened him up to more. There are many people who believe that Jesus was a good guy, maybe even able to do miraculous stuff. But he's not God. I mean, that's a bit much, don't you think? So the question, first question is this. What do you really think about Jesus? What do you really think about Jesus? Well, you know, honestly, like, if we were to sit down over coffee and I said, what do you think about who he is? How would you answer? Would you say he's a good guy? He's done some powerful things. I believe he, Jesus could do healing and stuff. Maybe. But is he the son of God? Jesus said that his faith is what made him whole because he believed. Second, he said our gratitude can either be dependent on what is done for us or on the one who is doing it. Right? Gratitude can either be dependent on what is done for you or on the one who is doing it. Gratitude can lead you to, can lead you to love what was done for you or to love the one who is doing it for you. Do you see the difference? Okay, there's a difference between being thankful for what somebody has done for you and the one who actually did it. The nine were thankful for what Jesus had done. But the one was thankful for who Jesus was. And all the nine got was physical healing, but the one got physical healing plus salvation. Do you think there's a correlation? His belief in what Jesus could do led to physical healing, but his belief in who Jesus was led to salvation. So I'll ask you this question. Are you more thankful for what is being done for you or for who is doing it? Like this one is, I know we're in the, it's supposed to be a happy day, but it's a little heavy, but really, that's a very hard question. Because if we love the things being done for us, which I do. I love when things are done for me. Let's be, let's be real. I love when things are done for me. But the problem is, if, if that's the real source of my gratitude, if what I'm really grateful for is what you did for me, then all of my hope is tied up in that thing. Let's say I'm very grateful for a car that you gave me. But I begin, my attention is now about the car. And the car turns out to be a lemon. It's a junker. Am I still filled with gratitude? No. Because my hope is in the thing, not the attitude of the one giving. It's not you. It's, it's the thing, right? All the time on TV shows, we see people giving away houses. We get so skeptical. You know, we think, oh yeah, now they gotta pay taxes. And they gotta maintain it, right? And there's the mortgage, right? Because if the hope is in the thing, then our gratitude isn't genuine. But if our gratitude is in the person, then things change. Because they are the real source of our gratitude. And everything they have to offer is what we get. This man chose to elevate Jesus above his own healing. Who Jesus was took priority over what Jesus could do for him. 
And this is the literal game changer. And here's the real heart of the message this morning. See, this man asked for physical healing. And did he get that? And did he get more? But did he know to ask for the more? See, God wants to give you more than you know how to ask for. He wants to give you all sorts of things. It's like a Christmas list. We know what we want. We can pray all day to God and let him be Santa. Right? And, God, and guess what? That's okay. He wants us to ask him for things. Remember, and keep asking, and you can't exhaust him, and you can't have a list too big, and you can sit there all day long, and when, every time you ask God to pray for something, okay, God, this is what I want, and God goes, what else? Remember? And then you say, okay, well, how about this? And God goes, okay, what else? Okay, well, how about this? Okay, what else? What else? What else? You can treat God like that, and he's okay with it. He loves when we bring to him those requests for things we can pray all day. But we also need to realize that we know what we want sometimes. Sometimes we don't know what we want, but we have absolutely no idea what we need. We don't even, we, we're, we're kind of on the border of what we want. We have an idea of what we want, but I can tell you that I know you don't know what you want because when you get what you want, you're still not happy. Which shows that we don't know what we actually want. We're just searching and trying and guessing about things. But God wants to give us more than we even know to ask for. He wants to give us what we actually need, which we don't even know about. There are things I, don't, I need that I don't even know how to ask for because I don't know what they are. This man asked for healing. It's what he desperately wanted. I want to be healed. There are things we ask for that we desperately want and we are confident that we want them and we ask and that's okay. And, but even though this man didn't know it, and perhaps he couldn't even imagine it, his physical healing was not his greatest need. What you think is perhaps your greatest desire may not actually be your greatest need. But if you go to God and you ask for what you think it is, and He shows up, guess what? He adds more. To it. Jesus knew there was so much more he could offer this man. Throughout scripture, over and over again, Jesus doesn't really, he kind of diminishes healings. He's like, healing's the easy part. Ain't hard to heal a, a lame person. It's not hard to make the blind see. It's not hard to make the deaf hear. Listen, I can do all of that. Jesus said, what's really hard is to make sinful people right with God. Let me tell you, the, the, the healing part is easy. You're asking all, everybody was constantly asking Jesus for healing. He's like, you're missing it. This, there's so much more I have for you. I can do that too. This guy came asking Jesus to fix his outside. And Jesus changed that plus his inside. He's able to do more than you think he can. See, the tragedy of this story is really the nine men who walked away. Overjoyed at what Jesus had done. Nine men. Lives changed by Jesus. So excited. He changed me. I can't ask him for anything more. They didn't come back and thank him. And because they didn't come back to thank him, still probably grateful, they missed out on the more that he had for them. Jesus standing there going, seriously? That was just like the teaser. That was just the appetizer. I got a whole meal here for him. There's an author by the name of Max Lucado. He's a pastor. He's a brilliant author. If you haven't read him, you should. Tells tremendous stories. He talks about a time he and his daughter were uh, 
at a playground. She was very little. And uh, they were at this playground and he heard the ice cream truck. So he went to get an ice cream for her. Comes back with two ice creams. And uh, looks and she turns around and she's in the sandbox with a mouthful of sand. And he's holding the ice cream and she's like, she's like, seriously. And he says, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't mad at her. But I knew I had so much better for her. See, that's kind of what we do. We think we know what we want and we fill our mouths with sand. And God's saying, I've got so much more for you, that you don't even, but you don't even know to ask for it. The greatest mistake we can make is accepting the lesser version of what God wants to give. Nine men walked away with physical healing, overjoyed, but missing out because God had so much more. Perhaps you're here today and all you can dream up is that if God could just change this circumstance, or maybe God could just change that person's mind or just fix this one thing, everything would be great. What you think is your greatest need, your greatest want right now, just may fall light years short of what God actually wants for you. And it's very hard for us to understand that because we feel so passionately about what we want God to do in our lives. The Apostle Paul, who experienced God do things in his own life he could have never expected, declared that God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. Meaning, you can't measure how much more God wants to do. There's not enough numbers. Do you understand? You can't... It's impossible to measure. There's not enough numbers to measure the more God wants to do. So here's the question. How high do numbers go? But you can't measure the more. Numbers don't end and you still can't measure the more God wants to do for you. It's beyond the numbers. That's how much better God's plan is for you compared to your plan for you. So the question of the day is this. How do we receive the transcendent good God wants to give us when we don't even know how to ask for it? God, I'm just trying to ask you for what I want and I want to pray. And I mean, what do we do? Just like, oh, I don't know. I'm not frozen. Right? I, don't, I don't know what to do. I know God's got more. So how do I, how do I get that in me? How do I get that good stuff? I'm so glad you asked that question. Let's look again at that same story. Verses 15, it says, One of them, the one man, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. It says he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Here's the statement. Ready? The immeasurably more that God has for you is simply an unintended consequence of thankfulness. The immeasurably more that God has for you is an unintended consequence of thankfulness. When you begin to thank God for what He has done in your life, one of the un- that's not the reason you're, you're just thanking Him because He is good, but the unintended consequence is that as you're thanking Him, He just unloads more. This guy was not expecting more. How could He possibly? Jesus had just changed everything in His life, yet Jesus had so much more in store for them. God wants to give you things you don't even know to ask for that can only be received when you're thankful. As you thank God for things, 
he begins to release the more. King David understood this truth and gave us a guide for how to approach God appropriately. Very simply, it says this in Psalm 100. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. The message translation says this and Pastor Kerry Andre shared this in our meeting. He said, it literally says, enter with the password, thank you. The password to the presence of God is thank you. The man came, remember, he was separated from God, but he comes to Jesus' feet and says, thank you, access to his presence. And when we express our gratitude to God for whatever he has done and is doing in our lives, it brings us to the feet of Jesus. And in his presence, he pours out more than you can measure. See, the reality is, the only way to get the more is just to be with him. And thanksgiving is how we get to be with Him. When we give thanks, it actually brings us into God's presence. You might be sitting here going, man, this seems like a really, really simple, impractical message. (laughs) Like, it's actually a very simple, simple message. But let me ask you, are you experiencing the more God has for you? Just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Are there things you take for granted? Are there times where God does things in our lives and we go, He knows I'm thankful. And we don't go say thank you for those things. How much of our life do we take for granted? And every time we take something God does for granted, we are accepting the lesser version of what He wants to do for us. God wants to do immeasurably more for you. And the only thing we have to do is just express thanks for what He is doing. But if we can't even express thanks for what He is doing, we miss out on the more. Very simply, it comes down to just regular praise. It's why we sing. Taking time. It's why we've said this month that we're trying to collectively develop the habit of thankfulness. The reason we wrote down a thankful thing a day throughout this month is to develop a habit of thankfulness. Right? Aristotle said, You are what you repeatedly do. That's all right. It's, it's a creating the atmosphere. It's all right. It's helping out. It's the mood. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence is not an act, but a habit. Let me tell you, gratefulness is not an act. It's a habit. Are you regularly grateful? Have you cultivated the habit of gratefulness? Let me tell you, don't stop being thankful. I know that the month is up and we're going to move on in December to another X Factor, move on to more stuff, but let me just encourage you, keep being thankful. Every day, write down something that you are thankful for. It's a simple habit. Would you just write down one thing a day for the rest of your life that you're thankful for? Make it a habit. It's not hard, but it changes things. There's an unknown cost to gratitude, to ingratitude. Every time we fail to thank God, we don't know what it's costing us. We don't know what we're missing out on. But when we express our thanks to Him, He's free to begin pouring out the immeasurably more. Thanks for listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. 
For more information about our church, visit us at wearelifetree.com or on Facebook and Instagram at wearelifetree.com.